City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. <laughs> Welcome to City on the Edge, the Isn't podcast starring Mike Smith and Ty Bannerman. Yeah, and and today with special guest Marie Landau, production editor for UNM Press, um, writer, avant-garde poet, mm-hmm. and uh, and pal. Mm-hmm. So uh, welcome, Marie. Thanks, guys. What's up, Marie? Marie has been a member of our writing group forever. Dirt City Writer she's Group. Like, founding she's member of Dirt City. Literally yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah. We were, when only the singularity existed, we were all there as protons. <laughs> True. Well, I suppose so. Isn't that how the singularity yeah. worked? Yeah. <laughs> bunched up together. Yeah. The space smaller than that. It was important of things to come. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. You know, because here we are again. And I'd like to point out that we are all mm-hmm. not from Albuquerque, exactly. Yeah. Though I th- though, don't we all kind of say that we are now? I was born in Albuquerque, but yeah. I was not raised. Oh, that's And I wild. came back in 95 when Crazy. I was uh, 19 years old. Interesting. No, I was 20 years old because I had my 21st birthday yeah. that first year. Um, where are you from, Marie? I'm from D.C. originally. Okay. And then lived in Southern California for my youth, hmm. for my wild, my salad days. Your salad days? <laughs> um, and then... I went to college in the Pacific Northwest, nice. and then I lived in Chicago for a year, so I bounced around a lot Dang. before coming to Albuquerque. That's cool. You think that the, the name we would have for like the best years of our life would be a better food than salad? Don't you That's think? true. It would be like the Albuquerque. Well, like a Dion salad, like, those are really like good. Like green chili cheeseburger <laughs> yeah. Green chili cheeseburger days. Pizza I also days. have to confess, I really like Olive Gardens. Those are good. Those are, like, they're so light. They're so refreshing. <laughs> Where are you from, Mike? <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I was born in Mesa, Arizona. I grew up in Tempe, Arizona. Moved to Vienna, Austria for some unusual reasons. I'll write about it. You can read it then. Um, when I was seven, was in Austria for three years with my family and then lived in Colorado for one year and then came here. Yeah, so a lot of places before you came here. How yeah. old were you when you came here? I would think I was 11 when we moved here, like just about to turn 12, like a week before okay. my 12th birthday or something. And um, yeah, so. And what were yeah. your, uh, can you remember back to when you first came here? Like even just the first yeah. day and you came here. What was it like? Oh, man, I wish you prepared this. I have a nerdy journal entry from that day. You know? <laughs> Mexico is great. The food is spicy. But <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot. Yeah. No, I thought it was... I like change. I mean, I missed Colorado. Like, before we moved here, we lived in this, like, idyllic mountain valley, like, outside of Durango, Colorado. It was, like, Calvin and Hobbes' backyard. Like, I mean, it was mm-hmm. just, like trees everywhere there was literally like a stream it was so picturesque I could puke I mean it was just like <laughs> amazing we had a we had a tree house that was like so huge and nice that like I lived in it for like months I just like moved up into the tree house like I, I had a video game system wired up there, like an oh, original yeah. Nintendo and like it was amazing I had a balcony and it was just like beautiful and the wind was like making noise every night so like it was kind of abrupt coming to yeah. like you know the deserty world of New Mexico but we didn't move to Albuquerque we moved to Cedar Crest which is just east of here and um, and so that was kind of mountainous and nice. So it's it's not it's, it's wonderful up there, you know. So um, I think it was okay, you know. And then like middle school happened and it was a nightmare, and I just got like murdered every day by like <laughs> you know kids who were like threatened by my nerdy existence yeah. or something. And uh, and then I started to hate it, but that was kind of different from New Mexico. In fact, in, I ended up like just biking everywhere and exploring because I like had to do outcast stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and. Uh, really falling in love with, like, other aspects of, of this place from that. It's cool. Uh, yeah. I, I liked it, <clears throat> yeah, overall. My mother, um, she came out here in the 60s as a teenager. Um, mm. Her mother worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, mm. so that's what brought the family out here. And mm. she had the, like, kind of the most poetic 
first sighting of Albuquerque that I've like mm. uh, heard. It's way better than mine. Oh, like yeah. she came in on the train, and it was dark, and they stopped at the Alvarado, the yeah. Alvarado Hotel oh, downtown. Still here. And she walked out into the courtyard, and it was dark, so she couldn't see anything. And it smelled like rose petals. She mm. said it always smelled like rose petals at the Alvarado. Yeah. And then they went to the hotel. And the next morning they came, they woke up, and they went out. And there was like some kind of dust storm going through town. And there was a, there was a woman, and she said a Native American woman, huh. going down the street through the, the central, like up central. And there was a tumbleweed. So there was a tumbleweed, and there was <laughs> dust. And there was this Native American woman. And she was like, this is the most desolate place on earth. This is like... This is the ends of the earth. That's wow. what she thought. So. Albuquerque. Yeah. Well, Did she like that? Um, I don't think she liked it at first. Because that would kind of appeal to me. Grew on, it grew on her in a big way. Yeah. Like she huh. loves it here. She huh. moved back here after living 20, 20 years and twenty five years even. Interesting. Actually, let's see how many years she lived. Thirty three years in Houston, Texas, and wow. then moved back here when she re- retired. So, wow. so she liked it. And uh, Maureen, what about your uh, first day here? What was your impression? <laughs> well, the first time I came here, I was visiting my sister, who had moved here. I guess she moved here a year and a half or two years before I did to do her residency at the hospital. And so I came at to UNMH? visit her. Yeah, UNMH. Okay. And so she was working most of the time, so I would hang out with her husband. Mm-hmm. These were not fun Visits. Not fun hangouts? Mm. No. So I feel like most of what I saw was all on Central Avenue, so like Route 66 yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so I got, but not really in Knob Hill. Oh, okay. So I got the impression that Albuquerque was like a lot of tattoo parlors. And <laughs> it ga- is a lot of tattoo And gas parlors. stations and like chain stores. And that was all that I saw. And so yeah. I had a pretty bad And you were coming impression. from Chicago at this yes. point? Right. So, you know, pretty different. Yeah, I was like, like this place sucks. The interior of Chicago to <laughs> the exterior. Yeah, I really didn't like... Well, because yeah. no one was taking me to do fun things. Right. It was just oh, like... Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is what it's like. I think that's yep. a common impression. One time, I went to visit my brother Rob in Idaho Falls, and all we did was go to Walgreens and like have stomach flu the whole time <laughs> I was there. So when I left, my impression of Idaho Falls was like, boy, that place well, sure is crappy. If you, if you go somewhere to visit kind of boring people, you tend to have a really boring No, experience. Rob is not boring at all. He's, like, no. hilarious. Why was he only taking you to Walmart? Well, we were just really sick. We all had stomach flu, so we never left except I to, like, actually, get medicine from Walmart. the second time I came to visit here, I also got the stomach flu. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Mara, you're from Albuquerque, right? Yes. Okay, so Mara's actually from Albuquerque, so she can... I'm an expert on Albuquerque. ...participate in this conversation. What do you remember Sorry. when you first saw Albuquerque? <laughs> <laughs> The bright lights of Albuquerque. Right, that's that's a song. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a song. Yeah. All right. um, did the locals greet you with milk and blankets? <laughs> they did. <laughs> As we emerged from our mud huts. And Your mud huts. Yeah. Our, our tumbleweed skins, yes. and that sort of thing? There, was an, there, was there wasn't anything out there. Oh, so just nothing, yeah? Yeah, it was just, it was just dirt, and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And then they've, it's really expanded now. It's nothing like how I remember I know, yeah, it's crazy out there. It's crazy. Um, hmm. Let's see, when I came back to Albuquerque uh, kind of properly, I used to come out here with my grandparents. Like, they, you know, we'd come into the airport, and then we'd, we'd go up to Santa Fe, my sister and I, we'd stay with my grandmother, and then we would come back to Albuquerque for... And this is a major uh, nerd giveaway here. 
uh, we would go to the role-playing game store oh, called wow. War Games West. Yes, so Central. You know War Games West? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, that's cool. It's where uh, East Asia... No, not East Asia. Um, Asian street food is now. Oh. So it's right in the heart of... Da- of uh, was of Carlisle Hill. and Central? Yeah. yeah. And I was so overwhelmed by feelings of great joy there. No, but I had these great uh, feelings for Albuquerque. We used to go to... Um, Fred's Bread and Bagel after we went to the mm. War Games West. And I was like, this is literally the coolest place I have ever been in my life. <laughs> so, like, I had a different experience. And we'd go to the we'd go to the Natural History Museum. Like, it was always, like, a fun place we'd That's went. cool. We'd go to the Natural History Museum, the big zoo. Like, I had a lot of positive experiences with Albuquerque. Well, That's my sister, when she first moved here, for some reason, thought that everyone needed to go to Frontier. Oh, yeah. Well, and so a thing. I, I guess it's the thing. I, don't, I would never take anyone to Frontier. Uh, why don't you describe Frontier for us and our <laughs> listeners who may not be Albuquerque people? Frontier is this staple sort of diner right across from UNM campus. That's its power right there. Yeah, that's yeah. the only reason yeah. people go there. It's okay. It, it's I mean, right. it's okay, yeah. but like there are a lot of better yeah. places to eat and so I went there with my brother-in-law and I love going out to brunch I was all excited yeah, and he was yeah. like well, alright we're gonna go to this place and I was like yeah okay you know, the it looks like a big yellow barn yeah, yeah. it's like a big yellow it looks like a McDonald's but like with different yeah. um uh, like logo like inverted colors it's got yeah. a certain kitsch appeal I think you know like it's filled with portraits of John Wayne you know mm-hmm. this kind of thing Elvis too right and it used to be 24 hours so it was the place you went at 4 in the morning when you were I, high or I drunk. heard that the owners though are uh, anti-choice this is absolutely and they the donate money yeah. to they, yeah. they fund Operation classes. Rescue yeah actually. don't go to Frontier I, yeah don't go there I wrote an article about it for the Alibi once and the uh, and was told for the Alibi can, not the Alibi what's that paper I wrote for Lobo? The Lobo, the Daily Lobo, the UNM paper, uh, when I was an undergraduate there, and I was told they are our biggest sponsor, you're not allowed to write anything about them. Yeah, no, they were yeah. constantly, uh, I remember somebody wrote a letter to the Lobo saying that the Frontiers needed to really work on their bathrooms instead of installing a bunch of security cameras, why don't they just clean their bathrooms every once in a while? Lobo published it, and then like the Frontier pulled its ads, and oh. they went through a long, lean period. You know, they're, they're Get money assholes. out of politics, even on a local level. But I do agree. I think it is maybe. kind of like a rite of passage. Like you have to know the frontier a little bit to really like kind of integrate into. I gotta the say, Albuquerque the frontier's experience. been for me at three a.m. Sometimes, yeah. You know, maybe not as much anymore since their hours are weirder and more restricted. If you haven't been yeah. sitting in the frontier restaurant yeah. tripping on acid at three in the morning, <laughs> then then you make good life the, choices, and you're not. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, yeah, yeah. You just described an evening. Yeah, too much. Is You've been there. Much? Yeah, Mara's been there. Okay. Been yes. Well, um, you know, more to the point. So we're talking about uh, newcomers to Albuquerque. Impressions, whether they're false or valid, what it's like to be a newcomer to our kind of bizarre, kind of interesting, kind of crazy, kind of a little bit dangerous sometimes city. Modern day frontier town, yeah. And uh, we have uh, Marie Landau here today, and she has uh, written a little little essay about her experience coming here. Mm. So... um, you want to kind of set us up for this a little bit? Tell us about... Tell us what we're getting into. You know, first of all, why did you come to live in Albuquerque permanently? Like, or quasi-permanently? What 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 brought you here to live as opposed to visit? Um, well, my sister really talked me into moving here. Yeah. She was trying to kind of get the whole family to move here, and yeah. I was the only one who took the bait. But And I was applying to grad schools at the same time, and so I decided to look at UNM's mm-hmm. um, master's in English program. And so that's... 
what brought me here. Cool. Okay. So kind of a family connection. Yes. Which, yeah. That's how I met you. Was we were yeah. in our the master's program together. Yep. Yeah. Okay. In an avant-garde um, literature class. Yes. And where where were you coming from? You were coming from Chicago. I was Chicago. coming from Chicago. Where, where I, you had a job? Yeah. I worked for Groupon. Groupon. Which was a thing. Well, which was a ago. thing. Is it still a thing? It is. Uh, it is kinda. still a thing. Yeah. You can get a massage through Groupon. I've never done one because I don't like groups. <laughs> and coupon. You hate it doesn't coupons. really work that way. <laughs> no, like, okay. um, but yeah, so I I lived there for a year and worked for Groupon and did, had done a magazine internship. So I was kind of that was my in between phase huh, okay. where I was sort of you know I deferred grad school for a year and then finally buckled down and okay, moved to New Albuquerque? Mexico. Yeah, okay. that's cool. Well, let's go into this. Yeah, I want to hear this. I've not heard this. I moved to Albuquerque the summer of 2011 to start graduate school at the University of New Mexico. I had made the long drive down from Chicago with my then-boyfriend, Ray, through the muggy climbs of Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, before the air began to dry and the road became a landscape of mesas and tumbleweeds against an impossibly close blue sky. New Mexico. We could feel the difference almost as soon as we crossed the state line as if we had driven right into a wily e. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon. I had arranged to live with another English department grad student, and she had found a two-bedroom house for us in what she described as a nice neighborhood near the university. In retrospect, agreeing to move in with someone I'd never met in person into a house I'd never laid eyes on was one of the worst ideas I've had. But at the time, I saw it as a leap of faith and trusted that I'd land on my feet. This feeling of optimism dissipated almost as soon as I pulled up to our new house. My new roommate, Hannah, chattered nervously, and I could sense that she was not going to be an easy person to live with. And the house was not in a nice neighborhood so much as in a bad neighborhood that happened to be very close to a nice one, which I came to realize was a common ploy in Albuquerque housing ads. It was on a busy corner, flanked on one side by Lead Avenue, which was being converted into a two-lane thoroughfare leading downtown. On the other side were shabby apartments housing an array of undergrads, quietly grumpy senior citizens, and a few 30-something guys whose teeth had seen better days. The house itself had a bizarre spatial energy. The front door, which we wouldn't be using since it was practically in the construction zone, led to a gaping, empty room that looked like it used to be a kitchen and that led through another door into my bedroom. The living room was a long, bare rectangle with a slanted ceiling, and next to it, the dining room and kitchen opened onto a side door and a concrete driveway. All around the house was a fenced-in area that consisted entirely of small rocks spread over dirt, which had been marketed as a yard. Off the kitchen was a set of rickety stairs to the basement, when Ray and I ventured down to inspect what had been advertised as a finished basement, we were stunned to see a crumbling dungeon, lit by a single dim bulb. There were a few separate rooms down there, one of which looked like it had been a bedroom at some point, none of which were remotely inhabitable now. What really horrified me, though, what caused Ray to say, trying to keep the urgency out of his voice, that we should probably keep the basement door locked, was a huge gaping hole in the western wall. It led to a small tunnel, but it was too dark to see how far it went or if there was anything in there besides dirt and remnants of plaster. What I could see in the dim light 
was a single plastic teacup perched incongruously at the tunnel's mouth. The sordid aesthetic of the house stood in stark contrast to Albuquerque's surprising natural beauty. There was a park a few blocks away, which was safe enough to visit before dark, and from there I saw my first breathtaking desert sunsets, the kind that look like streaks of rainbow sherbet melting across the sky. The Sandia Mountains were always visible to the east. If there were any clouds at all, they looked painted on, decorating the peaks and the sky like perfectly placed ornaments. The house didn't look like it belonged here. It was painted too white, and the metal bars on the windows looked like the sharp teeth of a predator. Inside, the walls and floors were too bare, so many gaping holes that needed to be filled. In the few days that Ray stuck around, helping us move much-needed furniture through the house's narrow doors, I was able to swallow the lump in my throat, remind myself that we had only signed a six-month lease, that I could always crash with my sister and her family if things got really bad. And then he left, and things got really bad. Perhaps due in large part to the mysterious basement tunnel, the house was literally plagued, first with fleas, then the totally ubiquitous Albuquerque pest, the cockroach. They were everywhere, climbing out of the kitchen sink, spilling from the shower drain by the dozens, scaling bookshelves to munch dried roses in the middle of the night. We tried everything to get rid of them, including having our landlord come by to spray poison all around the perimeter of the house, but they just kept coming, wave after wave, like a coordinated assault. I had heard horrifying stories of people waking up to the skittering of a cockroach's legs in their ear canals, so I resigned myself to sleeping with cotton stuffed in my ears. Meanwhile, the haunted energy of the house's empty rooms, the terrors suggested in the shadows of the basement, began to take human form. One afternoon, as my brother-in-law and I stood chatting outside, a drunk guy who had been stumbling up and down the street, shouting incoherently, stumbled right into our driveway. He looked at me, then at the house, then back again. You can't live here, he slurred. I used to live here. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. There he was, a ghost in the flesh. His vaguely threatening rant about who got to live in the house continued for some time, and he even tried to go in at some point, so we told him we were calling the cops, and he stumbled off again. I told Ray about this over the phone, and he pleaded with me to move right away. Lease be damned. A few nights later, just as I was starting to recover from the incident in the driveway, there was a knock on the side door. I approached and saw a 30-something guy standing on the other side of the security door. He was smiling, introducing himself as our neighbor, Brian, who lived across the street. He hung there expectantly, waiting for me to open the door, invite him in. When it became clear that I was not going to let a strange man into my house, he excused himself, said, nice to meet you. Let me know if you ever need anything. Hannah felt bad, thought I had been rude to our new neighbor. I thought I had been smart. But Brian did start to become a regular presence around our driveway, trotting over to join us for the occasional cigarette on the adjoining patio. He really wasn't so bad after all, just a guy who had clearly done too many drugs in his youth and who passed his evenings smoking and listening to disco on his front porch. He told us he had lived across the street for a long time, had seen a lot of people pass through our house. I knew the guy who used to own this place, he said. You know that show Breaking Bad? The hairs on my neck reawakened. You know Walter White? 
That character is based on the guy who used to live here. He got sick, and so he sold the house, moved up into the mountains. All of a sudden, everything clicked. The tunnels in the basement were where he hid his money, as was the space behind my closet, which was boarded up and painted over. The house used to be three separate apartments, which explained its lack of feng shui and the empty room up front that the current owner hadn't bothered to do anything with. I thrilled at this revelation, and then immediately began to worry about whether or not our Walter White ghost had actually cooked meth in the house. The roaches, the unwelcome visitors, the possibility of living among the toxic remnants of a meth lab, this was enough to drive us out two months after we'd moved in. We found a large, beautiful house close to campus, owned by a doctor who was doing humanitarian work in Haiti. She would be back at the end of the school year, but the house was ours until then. I was happy to be out of the old place, but it felt like whatever kinetic energy had driven me out had followed me. Our old landlord was trying to charge us rent for the remainder of our lease and refused to return our security deposit. It became clear that Hannah blamed me for this, and our relationship began to deteriorate. Then, after two months of incessant phone calls, texts, emails, and fuzzy thoughts sent across the ether in an attempt to make the long-distance thing work, Ray broke up with me via Skype. His nickname for me stared down from a set of rubber stamps he had given me the day he flew back to Chicago, Softclaw. The name seemed especially apt now. Here I was, tender-hearted and raw from what felt like a sudden betrayal, driving to the downtown Albuquerque police station to sift through all the dirt I could find on the old house. I wanted to know all of it, wanted to put names and stories to all my ghosts. I submitted a request for any information related to crimes committed at the address. At the records office, a little girl with pigtails hanging loose and tangled at the top of her juice-stained shirt stared at me, sucking her fingers for the remnants of Cheetos. Her mother didn't speak English, looked me over as I smiled at the girl, fluorescent lights flickering as we all waited for whatever snippets of the past we were there to collect. Based on my request, I received seven pages of dispatch calls to choose from. Vandalism, family fight, aggravated assault, suspicious person, stabbing, burglary, shooting, other. Because I would have to pay for each full report, I chose just five incidents that looked particularly promising. Leafing through the pages, I discovered that someone had thrown a Molotov cocktail into the driveway once, and another time, someone had shot a man in the chest through a security door. The house had been a hot spot for violence, drugs, theft, and general mayhem. The most incredible report of all is the one that was listed under disturbance. It outlines an incident in which the owner of the house, Dave, our Walter White, gets really high from huffing paint and terrorizes his block, threatening his neighbors with a knife wandering the street in a pair of bikini underwear, waving a broomstick at the sky and saying he wants the birds to come down so he can paint them. This disturbance culminates in Dave biting a police dog, Bart, who had been sicked on him after he refused to drop a metal ladder he had been charging the officer with. I don't know if Dave ever served time for this incident, but I figure he must have. The police report lists his offense as aggravated assault on a police officer, that is, the canine, Bart. Dave's Albuquerque was a hard city with sharp edges. 
an image many locals complain Breaking Bad falsely perpetuates. It was a city where law-abiding, working-class people were forced to live next to volatile drug dealers because they couldn't afford to move, where slumlords rented shabby houses to naive out-of-towners for way more than they were worth. But as Dave's city started to become my city, I saw where the sharp edges started to blur, where the neighbors sort of looked out for Dave even though he was a ticking time bomb, where college kids and artists and chain-smoking locals all lived on the same street, just one block shy of the nice neighborhood. Though I thought finding out what happened in the old house might help me get my security deposit back, it never did. It just brought me face to face with everything that was ugly and naked and vulnerable about human beings. I read the report over and over again, trying to trace the moment from when Dave's life started to go down the tubes to when I moved into the space he used to inhabit, turning my own life upside down. In a new city, far away from the home and friends I'd made in Chicago, from the man I thought would want to marry me someday, I saw what loneliness looked like. It leapt from the pages of the police report, seeped from the walls of the house. It couldn't be glossed over or smoothed away. I lived in the new house with Hannah for a few months before our relationship completely fell apart and she moved out. Ray and I continued to talk sporadically, until he started dating a sorority blonde we'd both worked with in Chicago. I stayed in the new house alone until the lease was up, burning through my savings and savoring the green expanse of the yard, the smooth brown tiles of the sunroom, the total quiet at night. I saw a few cockroaches, but I learned that they were an inevitable part of my new city's landscape, even in the nice neighborhoods. I swept them through the kitchen door and into the garden, where they mingled with whatever ghosts they happened to find there. Marie, you're such a good writer. Oh my God, stop writing poetry. Write prose. Write poetry. Really, I feel like that's a absolutely iconic... Albuquerque experience. I think you captured this town in microcosm. (laughs) I I, I think you absolutely did. Because because you don't just have the sordidness of the previous experience, you have the hope and the brightness of your experience. And it's and it's like it's uh it's just the city. It's all over the city. I mean and that you did research is so impressive and so cool. Like go find the police records of that place I've like wanted to do that for every place I've ever lived and never thought to do it yeah I, well the main reason for doing it was because I really hated our landlord oh. and I was <laughs> like maybe I can get our security deposit back if I prove oh, that like man. there's a decapitated head in the basement oh yes. <laughs> did you ever find out what was yeah. in that tunnel or? well um, did you ever go in it no I did not go in it but so Brian the neighbor said that that's where Dave used to stash his money and maybe his drugs too yeah, okay which wow. made a lot of sense after the fact he's also the general whereabouts of this place yeah it's right I mean it's sort of west and south of UNM's main campus so right in that um, what's that neighborhood called um, something district like right off Silver. Oh, Silver Hill District. Silver Hill District. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
And the park that you uh, that you were close to that was Roosevelt Park. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Which is a nice park, but man, I would not cut. Yeah, don't go yeah. there. Right. In the dark. It yeah, is. Yeah, sure. it is really nice. But the yeah. first week that I lived here, I was dog sitting for my sister, and her dog is a small dog, so it wouldn't have offered any protection. Yeah. Right. But I took her for a walk there, and it was just. Like sunset, just getting dark, and there were a bunch of dudes hanging out. I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, leave." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fine park for having it's a picnic in the middle during of the, the daytime. Day. <laughs> yeah. If you bring a stroller, like one of those rugged strollers with big oh, wheels, yeah, you can that. run up and down those hills. <laughs> I did that. Yeah, with you kids love it. My kids were yeah. happy there. Yeah. yeah. It's like a roller coaster for them. So what we're talking about is, is yeah. Marie was living in the uh, kind of the student area yeah. between what we call the student ghetto um, or the university district. University, believe, university Heights. Heights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is what I like to And this it. is actually one of the older... I'm grabbing how to put this in, One of the older new parts of Albuquerque. Mm. Yeah, it's like a, it has historic mm-hmm. buildings. So built in probably like 1890s to 19... 40s is kind of when that area was undergoing its big, uh, That's true. big population growth. Yeah, yeah and um, it wasn't too. F- I mean, it was just a few blocks east of like mm. Hotel Park Central and mm-hmm. the Albuquerque Press Club. Yeah. Right, right. Some, some of those houses go back to the 1870s. I lived in a uh-huh. house at Gold on Gold at the corner of Gold and Ash. 1605 gold and I looked it up and I found that someone had died of scarlet fever there in 1870 you're like can I get my security deposit back yeah seriously (laughs) Mayor Tingley's house was in that era neighborhood oh yeah I got to tour that one so cool yeah Silver Nash so it's it's a it's an older neighborhood it's kind of um, storied but it's not really been gentrified is what I'd say yeah like it's kind of still still dealing with the um uh I don't know the poverty and and so forth of uh, that that kind of came from the 1970s neglect of those areas. I would say it's true. But I feel like that's pretty like what you what you described as a common experience for um, especially students coming to Albuquerque yeah. because that's yeah. where you tend to wind up is in that sort of area. Poorer areas around you, and it's yeah. a mixture yeah. of people from all points, you know, in in the United States, and then also people who have. Uh, you know, kind of maybe some more poverty or some more serious, like, issues. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, it's right in between the lead and coal corridors, and so there's a lot of through traffic. Yeah, it's just And, traffic. like, yeah, foot traffic. Yeah, so, like, yeah. and, like, a lot of prostitutes yeah. and... So it's I, a sad part of town. Yes. Let's just say that. But it's also really mixed. So yeah. if you go like yeah. if you if you go on yeah. silver, some blocks are actually really nice. And there's right. you can tell there are a lot of homeowners yeah. who live there, and then you go one block yeah. south and it's like right. bad news. Here's a three hundred thousand dollar house. Here's a guy strung out a map. Yeah. Grandma exactly. Maloof used to live down there. You know the Maloofs? They're oh, a really? reality television. The wealthiest uh, person in New Mexico, right? I believe so, yeah. One, one of them, right? The guy. They have built a reality television empire. Uh, based out of Las Vegas now, but they came None from of which Albuquerque. I've never even glimpsed. I've only heard of them through you. Yeah, they've uh, they came so. from Albuquerque. They were originally um, beer distributors. I think Coors. That's why we have. They own the Glorietta Beer Building downtown. Yeah, they that's do. the one. Yeah. Ex- I want to explore that place more than anything. I know, and I wrote like a nasty thing about Phil Maloof's pet oh, project. I one know, because <laughs> he wrote that. He made that like fake thing for helping people like get over lupus yeah, and alcoholism. Or something. He has a product called uh, <laughs> Never Never Hungover. Which, if you drink a shot of it after drinking six beers, oh, yeah. 
supposedly you will be immune from the hangover mm. the next morning. And you and our friend Nora tried it, and it does not work. It right? didn't work for me. And then not only that, but we were talking to him and the guy who like originated it, and this guy just started to make the most insane claims about it, it would cure lupus, it would cure cancer, and all this stuff, you know? And, you, know. you were like, wait, do you know how cancer works? <laughs> yeah. doesn't, you doesn't might think cancer is something else. <laughs> Cancer's not like a cold. It's like a specific disease. And it's really sad, because I gotta say, Phil Maloop was actually like a really nice guy, and when I mentioned Glorietta Brewery building, yeah. he was like, let me call my brother, we'll get you like a tour of that place. Oh, Ty, why didn't you suck up to him dishonestly as a journalist? I, I should have just been like, that's like, it. My hangover, I never had a hangover again. Yeah. everybody, and I don't have lupus either. Yeah. Um, Ty, okay. and I, Ty and I found a meth lab once, and we documented it, we took pictures, and then Ty went to write about it for the alibi, and we couldn't write about it because there was no police report about this meth lab in the building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I still don't know. That was totally a method. It was a weird thing. It's a big a jar weird. with tubes coming out of it. What was it, a still in Albuquerque in 2015? Could, it was, it was a still? I don't know. That, that was something that I never found out. What, well, but I guess if if anyone had known, if any official had known that they were cooking meth right. in the house, they yeah. would have had to... I don't know what they do. I mean, the it's anecdotal pretty, thing you heard, that's got to be bullshit, right? Or crap about... Uh, I don't know. Are we not swearing? Uh, I don't know. We, swear all we the wanted time. to be a K M and M show, right? Um, well, so, yeah, but yeah. So anyway, like, we won't swear but I mean, well, Walter oh, White wasn't Walter inspired White by some Albuquerque figure. He well, was always going to set no, in Riverside, California. I think that he was probably uh, extrapolating. Yeah. But but I think that the general idea mm-hmm. that basically he was like. And I don't think I had actually seen Breaking Bad at that point. Or maybe oh, I had seen... I, I knew what the premise was. Yeah, I just right. started watching it, like, a few months after I moved here. But um, the basic premise, I guess... Yeah, the basic plot points or whatever was yeah. similar. Yeah, more or less true. Yeah. Well, and the, and the detail about him getting sick was just a weird coincidence. That is interesting, yeah. But it didn't happen in the same way. He got... He... Have you looked for these guys on Facebook? Have you, like, Facebook stuff? No. No. You oh, my could. God. Do it. Why not? They I might don't be think... There. I don't think the main guy... He's probably dead, actually. Because he had cancer, uh, and so he sold the house and moved mm-hmm. into the mountains, I guess, to live out. And then the showed up on days. your porch, though, right? No. So that was just some other guy. Oh, that wasn't the same guy? Because... Random. Yeah, because, remember, it was a triplex, and so uh, all these different people had lived there. You can't live there. I used to live there. I, I know. He was, was like, he was like, you can't live there. Because I used to live there. Yeah. And he was wasted. I you mean, know, I, he might have been on something else. You make a compelling case. I'm going to move out in a month. I know. <laughs> and my brother-in-law was, like, totally useless in that situation. <laughs> like, he was this big, burly guy. And yeah. he was like, Frank, do something. And he oh. was just like, well, I got to go. Isn't it creepy how, like, at the mercy of society we are, like, just to not be terrifying? I mean, like, someone <laughs> could just show up here right now with an axe, like, on the porch. like, like But like, you have that, um... That bottle opener. Yeah, I know, yeah, that's true. I told him. It's only useful against beer beer bottles and <laughs> actually but, not that useful against Well, and this bottles. was actually yeah. also my first experience with the Albuquerque Police Department, oh, so yeah. we did call the police because right. he was being yeah. really weird and yeah. was not leaving. Oh, really? Right. And so um, my roommate called the police... And they were like, well, do you want us to follow up with you after we come or if we apprehend him? And we were like, yes, please do. And we didn't hear anything. Yeah. Like, maybe they came. Yeah. I don't know if they even came. Well, like, drove through the oh, neighborhood, yeah. maybe? He just, like, drove. He just, as soon as we said that, he kind of, like, stumbled off. Yeah. But um, I've had a couple experiences like that with the police where oh, I so actually sorry. had to call them for something. 
and they were like, all right, well, an officer's going to call you back, and then they just never did. And I was like, well, I hope I don't I, get murdered now. I've kind of stopped calling the cops in Albuquerque to tell you guys the truth. I used yeah. to, like, I used yeah. to, like when, when I lived at that house on Gold, um, we would, I would call the cops because there was a guy selling drugs in the alley all the time. And it wasn't, like, good drugs, like, fun drugs. It was, like, really toxic stuff that was, like, making our neighborhood was, like, way worse. paint thinner? Yeah, no, I could see it. It was, like, bags of crystalline things. Like, I mean, you know, and... and uh, and, you know, the, it was just attracting all this stuff. And, like, my daughter was, like, playing in the backyard at the time and stuff. And, uh, you know, I would call the cops and be like, they're right there right now. Get over here. Please come check it out. And then, like, you know, they would just never show up ever. And it continued the entire time was that we were there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like, nowadays, also, you're likely to get somebody just murdered. Like, yeah. you know, if you call it. Exactly. I, don't, I don't know. No, absolutely. The, the I, pulling I, that trigger. I, I would be a you know? It's something you want to consider carefully. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's... Yeah, just yeah, the it's overall true. feeling yeah. of police in America today. I also feel like I'm supporting something like nasty when I when I call. Like I'm like supporting well, like that police state, that increasingly militarized police. Theoretically, state. they're here to help, right? To yeah, protect and serve, right? Yeah. Although they, I don't think the Albuquerque cops have that on their. Uh, they, no, they don't. They're in step car. with our community, but there says, "Watch out!" <laughs> Watch, just <laughs> walk the straight and narrow. So, um, Marie, you have you have a pile of papers in front of yes. you here. What, what have the, you brought this? today? So, this is just one. This is the main police report. These I got are the a, actual police reports yeah. from your house. Yeah. So I got about five or so, and this is the the long one, which is the disturbance. That's, I think that's what it says. The disturb, this is the disturbance where he wanted to paint the birds? Yes. Okay. Oh. And there, this one is very long because there are accounts from all these different people. Will you read us some choice excerpts? Yes. Oh. Yes, I will. <laughs> so so um, this is, I think this is from one of the reporting officers, and this is just sort of an introduction to what was going on. Um, so this guy, Dave, he says, was outside... Um, causing a disturbance wearing only bikini underwear and a leather top. And and he says Whoa. both... That's quite the ensemble. It is. <laughs> He's like one of the village people, it's but like, like it, much I mean, less... It's, it's like not just stuff that's in your closet. Like I, if yeah, I, Where did he get that leather If I were going to go out and be a crazy person, like yeah. the craziest person I could be, yeah. with just the stuff in my wardrobe, it would be like a ripped up pair of boxers yeah. Yeah. and like a t-shirt that's way too small yeah. for me. Honestly... Like, in modern times, I would say a leather vest is like the guarantee of insanity. When you yeah, yeah. A leather vest, but this like guy had a lot. Like he had bikini well, and bottoms. bikini underwear. So it must have been like he must have just taken some women's some women's clothes. Maybe someone who lived there. So and he's talking about two neighbors who gave statements. He says both said his testicles were exposed. Ooh. So I don't know if he was like pulling them out or if they just didn't fit in his the bikini underwear. Both were exposed. Well, no, both said. Both, oh, both said. <laughs> both oh, named, okay. but I'm assuming if they're plural, that yes, that both the of them were both were exposed. Out <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, and so wow. then this is from Officer Lee Hockey, I guess Andrew Lee Hockey, and he's the one wow. who had the canine Bart, and he's I think he was the first officer to respond, and he showed up by himself with the dog. With the dog, with Bart, and so he says. They, they refer to themselves in the third person, by the way, as yeah, writer. Sure. So, um, oh, and the other people who wrote statements. So he's talking about this neighbor. Um, so 
the neighbor observed a vanity mirror being thrown from the address um, and wow. strike it struck the front driver's side bumper of canine How specific and weird yeah whatever his his vehicle number was the mirror was followed by a five gallon bucket oh, yeah, so okay. he was just throwing things throwing out the sh- door at the cop cars yeah and so then the neighbor says the guy has a knife right now and has been throwing things and threatening oh my us. Gosh. And so then the officer says, writer and police service dog Bart proceeded to the northeast corner. A writer observed the subject inside a red sedan. This is the crazy, this is one of the really crazy parts. Writer heard subject clack his teeth several times talking about eating Rin Tin Tin. (laughs) He was talking to the wall of the house about Rin Tin Tin. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he was like real fucked up on whatever he was on. Oh, no. Um, This guy's going to bite the dog. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then he's describing him again, saying subject was wearing what appeared to be female underwear and had discoloration near his eyes. Um, The writer, the officer, issued a warning to stop or a police dog will be used. Writer commanded PSD Bart to detain. PSD Bart took hold of subject's right leg. A subject dropped ladder. So he'd been charging the officer with a ladder, apparently. And he stated Rin Tin Tin food and took hold of PSD Bart's ears. Oh, my gosh. Subject attempted to lift Bart to his mouth so he could bite the dog. And this is like a German shepherd dog. (laughs) And again, it says the subject clacked his teeth several times, looked at writer's arms, and tried to bite them. Oh, so he tried to write the... So also the officer, I guess. So he tried to bite the policeman and the dog. I guess so. Um... And this is clearly a different time because APD did not just shoot the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, exactly. So this was in 2000. 2000. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And so um, it says he couldn't handcuff him. He could only get one handcuff on subject due to the amount of Eat. strength he demonstrated. Dang. Um, and then later, this is actually my, my favorite part. This is like... Um, Really good literature. So how did you get this? Like, I want to get this for, like, my kids. Have, my kids ask us a lot Seriously, of all you have to do is yeah. email, I can't remember, like, the, um, some clerk. And you just tell them what you want, and they ask you for more information. Who's the clerk? Like, I can't remember. It's some office. If you just look up, like, Albuquerque Public Records, it will direct you to some person, some government official that you're supposed to email. That's great. To request these things. I want to get it for this house too. Just yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, so the neighbors, who must they lived in the same building as him, so he was their landlord. Wow. Let's see. Okay, this is great. This is like the best thing I've oh, ever. Dave read. was their landlord. Dave, the so guy a, with the who's biting the dogs. Yeah, and Dave oh, is man like, bites dog. Very interesting. I know, right? Man bites dog. <laughs> Um, so this is what... Now that's a story. <laughs> so these are the same neighbors who said that he had been um, threatening them with a knife. And so this is one neighbor's sort of account of what kind of person he is and all these different incidents that have mm. taken place in the past. Yeah. Uh, I'll just read, I'll read the highlights. Okay. He's incompetent about fixing anything, though occasionally he has fooled with the electrical wiring and torn things apart. He has been uninterested in doing anything except partying and collecting rent. It is is apparent he does considerably large amounts of crank and drinks bourbon a lot. He stays up for days at a time and seems paranoid about his phone being tapped and being under surveillance. 
Well, it's true, man. Your phone is under surveillance. Probably. (laughs) He often talked about good speed he had gotten. We've also smelled strong odors of inhalants like carburetor fluid and paint from next door. Good nose. They (laughs) detect carburetor fluid. Yeah. We heard Uh. paint cans being shaken, although no painting is being done. Um, His his sometime odd behavior came to a head on or about Wednesday the 17th of May when we found a large pile of excrement by our fence in our driveway Mm. and discovered one of our planted flower pots missing. Yeah, that's a deal breaker right there. Wow. We were on your side, neighbor, until you crapping in our flower pots. Yeah, and so then she says... (laughs) Landlord. Yeah, Yeah, landlord even. He's like terrorizing them. So though a neighbor confirmed seeing him outside our door, he claimed that elves must have been about. Well, that's true. That's possible. It's possible, well, but... but no crime is seriously underreported. <laughs> Just so. when this. He later admitted <laughs> to taking the flowers and crapping in our driveway. Uh, did he explain it at all? Um, no. Wait, so she says, we should have informed police at that point. Instead... Um, so-and-so scooped up the excrement and dumped it over by his apartment. Gross. The flowers later reappeared in the pot they were taken from. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> oh, and then she like, talks about a fight that her husband or her boyfriend got in with him. And Oh, and then there's a story about him mooning them. How far back could you search? Um, I don't know. Huh. That's a good question. Yeah, we should all search our addresses. Seriously. Look, you I, should. There. I mean, you don't. You never know what you're going to find. Marie, this proves that anything is interesting. I mean, you picked like a random place, basically, and you made it like this compelling crime drama. <laughs> and I picked but, random yeah. reports to yeah. get. I love the fact that there were like way more. There were so many there more than so you could have so These this. go. <laughs> these go back to 1991. Oh, interesting. And there are. Interesting. 1991. So that's that, nine years, basically. 1990 yeah. was the year that the crime was highest in Albuquerque. Is that true? Crime. Really? I bet Very if you'd gotten bet further back, you would have had even more. Yeah. Well, I'm curious as to whether they destroy records. How does that work? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. yeah I don't know either. But you got. Yeah. You guys should get. I on tried that. to get some 1936 ones for that Carl Taylor murder that we did two episodes on. Yeah. And it was very hard to find that sort of thing. In Go fact, like a lot of stuff was destroyed in a fire at yeah, one point in the, the mid 1900s. Yeah. Things start yeah. disasters start happening. Yeah. So all these other ones are just like battery, aggravated battery. Is it mostly with the same larceny? Guy? These are just. Hold oh on. well, yeah. Here's his name again on yeah. here. And then there's some other. These are just, I guess, people who lived there or around there. Use of incendiary device. That's the Maltov cocktail. That's the weirdest thing. You move into an old house and you don't know who's been there before. And you, like, find weird things sometimes, like a hole in your basement wall, for instance. My sister lived in a place a little, like, well, she was renting. It was off of, uh, like, fruit or something like that. Uh. And he had put up Bible verses all over the place. Oh, God. And then in the basement, there was another, like, whole kind of situation. It was oh just weird. I'd that love to, true. like, look at that and, like, what what, yeah. what was going on there? When, yeah. my, when uh, my kids moved into the house that they're in now, there were, there were, um, the fireplace was full of burnt Bible pages. Burnt Bible pages? I've always wondered about that. Yeah. And all the doors had been kicked out. And the, the garbage disposals have been filled with pennies and bottle caps. And I asked the landlord about that house one time, and he was like, oh, yeah, there was a hostage situation here once. The guy tied his girlfriend to the radiator, yeah. the hot water heater, and uh, burned the place down with her inside it. And, oh, and, and then God. she got away, and they turned the extinguisher fire. And then there was another guy, and what was now my kid's bedroom, um, he... Uh, 
it was blacked out and had ten locks on the door and he wouldn't let anybody into it and like so I evicted him because he uh, he was doing that crap. I mean, but it was like he just kept going. There were all these stories, just like you and like I think that's kind of like half the story of Albuquerque. I mean, yes, there's people that aren't on that spectrum, but like there's a couple. Oh, do you think? Man, do you think? Um, do you think it's because? Let's face it, all three of us are white coming from kind of middle-class backgrounds, right? Yeah, absolutely. I came from a, well, not exactly a suburb, but a small town with a uh, yeah. lot of space between neighbors, you yeah. know, and we didn't have a lot of, like, property crime. Mm-hmm. You come to Albuquerque, you live in a place in the student ghetto, and the next thing you know, somebody's shooting off a gun in the middle of the night. And it's like, is that because we're moving into a certain area that we have this impression of Albuquerque? Yeah. Well, I feel like part of it is that Albuquerque is actually kind of a small... I mean, it's not a small town. It's like a mid-sized mm-hmm. town, mm-hmm. but all these different kinds of people are... It's not, like, segregated in the same right. way that other places are, and so you're all just sort of intermingled. Right, And right. so, I mean, I don't know what our crime rates are compared to other similarly-sized cities, but you just... Like, you're just closer you're, to everything. I think that's... I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I felt like that, too. I agree. I do agree. Even if you're in a nice neighborhood, it's only like a block or two away. Yeah. From Certainly, a less if you're nice in a nice neighborhood in the interior, I agree. Of the city. However, yeah. I think it's bigger than that. I think this is about the death of the middle class. I really think that that it was much easier to have economic uh, self sufficiency in our parents' generations, and and that it's much harder now. And that the the things that have made it just manageable to be alive have been taken apart ever since Reagan, basically. And and, uh, Thanks, Ronald. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a big part of it. I think that's like we're just like we're encountering poverty in a in a more familiar way than we than our parents did. Like, right. I, I think to my parents, it's like inconceivable that you can't just like get a job now and figure yeah. your life out and be rich because like they you know yeah. not it's not rich, well off, comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, easy. Yeah. And and uh, because that was so doable back then. Oh yeah, we got the GI Bill for college, and look, oh I got a great house, right, and right. it was totally affordable. And I got this job, and it pays a living wage. And now it's just kind of like, oh, how how are we doing this? I don't understand. <laughs> it's just so like fraught. Everything is so fraught. It's just like connecting the dots from point to point. And you're lucky if you get a really a, a good job and you find that niche for yourself. But it's just like there's just so much more of a struggle going on right now. And I know that the struggle was real before, but I just think. I just feel like we're closer to that brink now yeah. than, than previous generations. Yeah. That, that, sounds, that sounds right in a lot of ways you know? to me. Although and that's bigger than Albuquerque. I, th- I think I think the fact is if you live in a suburb area, yeah. then you're going to experience less. Yeah, yeah, like insulated. Yeah. Um, so 2015 mm-hmm. was... Uh, sorry, we're talking about crime. This is a very much a, a crime-oriented episode, it I feel is, like. Yeah. It's also uh, about the feeling of the place a little bit. So 2015 was the highest um, murder rate in Albuquerque since 2009. Wow. Can you guess how many people were murdered? Like, overall, does that include people that the police murdered? <laughs> so, let's see, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry, it does not actually include police people killed by the police, which, well, like, let's say that's another five. But Dude, it's another, like, couple hundred, probably. It is not another couple hundred. <laughs> 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 okay, wait, so how many people in one year? No, what's yeah. secretly in one year? What do you think? Oh, uh, uh, God, I have no idea. 120. 120? Yeah. Come on, throw out a number. 90. Okay. 
46. Really? 46. Good for you, Albuquerque. Albuquerque, good for you. <laughs> it's not that many. You guys remember That's that logo? That motto? It, it's it's probably too many. Like I said, it's the highest number since uh, since 2009. The highest number uh, was in 1990, which was 70. Uh, which is, a, you know, again, that's that's too many. I moved here in 91. That's a lot I, I of people. That. We can say... That's, that's like a couple people... That's more than a couple people per month. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. A couple, more like, than a, a few people per yeah. month. And then you got to add in the ones the cops killed and that they don't count as murders. <laughs> yeah, but come on, we're talking like five... Also, the secret murders, the ones we don't know about yet. <laughs> secret that's like murders. like 800 more. Okay. Right, so here's the next thing. Like, um, so I looked up the, uh, the FBI keeps statistics on... Okay. Um, uh, murders per 100,000 people in 2014 in cities with a population of 250,000 or greater. They have a, a records on 79 different cities with 250,000 people or greater. Mm-hmm. 79. In terms of, okay, so number one would be the highest and number 79 would be the lowest. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Albuquerque is on that list? Toward toward the worst side of that spectrum. So what do you think? 20? 15. 15? Yeah. All right. What do you think, Marie? What would you guess? Uh, 30? We're actually 50. Oh, We're down towards the bottom of it. I'm really like cynical, it. I guess. Well, oh. I, I feel like we all have this impression of our city. <laughs> yeah. So murdery here. It's very murdery. It now, feels murdery. <laughs> it, feels, it, it does, does feel seem murdery. murdery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Now, property crime, I'll grant you. We're, yeah. uh, one, two, some three, of that, some of that's worth We have a lot. We do have a lot of theft here. Yeah, we're number nine yeah. out of those seventy-nine for property crime. Mm. We're, we're number, number fifty for murder, and then I don't. I didn't count for violent crime, but we're towards the bottom with violent mm-hmm. crime, general violent crime, including murder and rape and manslaughter oh. of various kinds. You know, we're we're still surprisingly low on that list. I feel like if you talk to anybody in this city who lives here. They're going to tell you a higher number. Mm. They're going to tell you that things are worse than they are. They probably know about it, several, personally, that they committed. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, there are people that they killed personally, <laughs> so they're like, oh, yeah, well, I killed about six people, so. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I am cynical, but that's part of being in Albuquerque. Well, I feel like, like we have a feeling about our city that is an odd city, actual well, fact. I feel like huh. part of it is that the poverty here is, like, very visible. Yeah, no, it's I think you're very right. Very right. visible. Like, you just drive, you, you just drive east on Central yeah. from Knob yeah. Hill, you're just like, oh my God. Uh, One of the main thoroughfares. So Central the is humanity. the old Route 66. Right. It's a road you use all the time. Right. If you're right. not on the highway and you're going, you're going east to, or west. You're, you're like, I'm going to go hiking today. Right. Yeah. But first you have to drive through that wasteland of, yeah. like, horrible, right. murdery motels. Uh, it is, it is, it is literally the, uh, Lowest income portion of the city, highest crime rate, lowest income. More well, really? central, central between uh, like like San Mateo, uh, like San Pedro, and maybe Wyoming or wow. so. I believe real rough. I do. Yeah, believe. and that used to be known as the war zone, and now it's called the international district. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. And people make fun of that all the time. They're like, I think the war zone was a little bit racist, frankly. Yeah, honestly. totally. I, I feel like, god damn it, if I lived there, I would rather be yeah. called the international district. Yeah. And there's you. And it's actually true, really. Yeah, there's a high Vietnamese population, yeah. a high Thai population, oh. a high African, yeah. like literally African population. Oh, from I have seen some sketchy stuff in that area. There's I, a lot of sketchy yeah. stuff. One time I was in the Octopus Car Wash, now a Mr. Car Wash <laughs> at the corner of San Mateo and Central. I was in there with, like, two of my kids. We're chilling out. We're just hanging out in the car wash. We're not expecting, like, 
a gang to come rushing through in full gang regalia. In like, full regalia. Like holding weapons and looking around for somebody. Oh my God. Like 20 people galloping from one end, checking every room in the car wash and then running out. Oh, we just weren't expecting that. Yeah, that happened. Jeez. You know, it was totally like, I mean, and I've seen some very sketchy, sad things in that area. Like, yeah. You know, well, and just, you, you see the people who are walking on Central, like, I remember actually I was walking my dog the other day in Knob Hill. Yeah. Um, actually, and then through Ridgecrest, so like pretty mm. nice area. Mm-hmm. And there was this woman walking, and she was walking on Garfield, like right around Richmond, um, like heart of Knob Hill. Mm-hmm. And she was walking really slowly. And so I kind of started looking at her. And I don't know what her story was, but she looked, like if I had to guess, I would guess that she was a prostitute who had been, like, dropped off in the morning. Just, like, dropped off in the middle of this neighborhood, and she was totally disoriented and, like, maybe drunk or maybe on something. And she was just like, where am I? And she was walking really slowly. And so I kind of stuck around and just, like, watched her for a while to see Mm -hmm. if she needed help. And she just kept walking. And I saw her a couple times during my walk, but it was, like... And you see that all the time yeah, when, you're totally. on, when you're on Central. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, oh, man. yeah people in a yeah. bad, and I feel like, bad way. So where I came from, like it's a little town in, in uh, East Texas, close enough to Houston, yeah. I think, to be considered a sort of bedroom community. Sure. We certainly, I'd never seen that sort of thing in my life wow. prior to coming to Albuquerque. In Houston and the surrounding areas, you hadn't seen this? This if is you like go the fourth in, if, largest no, metropolitan area in the country. It absolutely is. Yeah. However, because it's so big, yeah. you can live your entire life in this wedge of it and never, Whoa. like, deal with the realities that are going Whoa. on in the inner parts of it. Crazy. Like, yeah, Houston has a way higher crime rate, violent crime rate, murder rate, etc., than Albuquerque. Yeah. And yet, you talk to somebody from Clear Lake, Texas, or Seabrook, Texas, uh, and they're going to tell you that they've never felt so, like, worried about violent crime in their life until they came to Albuquerque. Oh, man, I gotta say, I, what what makes this so much heavier to me is just thinking that, like, every one of these people is the main character in their story. When I think yeah. of, like, the degree of suffering that must be to be that woman wandering through that neighborhood, or to be that crazy guy wandering up to your house and screaming about how you can't yeah. live there anymore... And, like, that makes sense to him to say that. Like, we're talking about, like, a degree of suffering there. Mm-hmm. That is, like, a, yeah. a sad way of being. I mean, I think of this, I think it was a Melville line, like, oh, the vile abbot crushed beneath the sins of the world. Like, I mean, it's just, like, if you really think about, like, just the suffering there and, like, let that sit on you for a minute, it's just, like, it's a hard place to live when you contemplate that sort of thing. It's yeah. just, like, there's just so much of that, so many opportunities but for that. It's not different than most places. It's yeah. just that it's just like concentrated, concentrated, and and not as segregated in a way. Yeah. Like if you go to Austin, Texas, Austin has a way better crime rate than than mm-hmm. Albuquerque, but there are definitely places where there's poverty and crime and so forth. Yeah. But they're concentrated, and. You can live your entire life on a South Congress, sure. go up to the, the drag and yeah. downtown and so forth, and feel like Austin is just this place for, um, like, white college students to, like, have a good time all the time, yeah. Yeah. you know, and not see entire other sections of the city. And I feel wow. like in Albuquerque, you, you can't do that. Yeah. And frankly, it's I like that better. I, I like feel like this too. is our world. Well, yeah. You know what I was thinking, actually? So, like, everyone hates slumlords, right? right? But they're, like, the great equalizer <laughs> in this... In Albuquerque? Well, in this... Like, they're one of the main reasons that all of these communities 
are integrated mm. because they take advantage of students. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're an undergrad or a grad student. I mean, grad students are a little bit more they're savvy, but like they're still like if you're moving here from out of town, yeah. like we were, yeah. we like I don't know, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that neighborhood's like. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems uh, like it's nice. Oh, yeah. It's near the university, it's a city, right? Um, and he <laughs> just fight like he, that guy. Uh, was it William Cornelius? That was no, my son, Lord. no, <laughs> William H. Cornelius. Uh, no, but this guy, better. this guy was like so gross. He was like middle-aged but a bodybuilder and he was always wearing tank tops and his biceps were all like copper tone and like glistening was it actually the guy from right said fred (laughs) maybe (laughs) and he always wore like a little gold cross around Mm -hmm. his neck um and he used to also come by unannounced which landlords are not supposed to do he would just come by and like weed the the yard i'm doing Uh, scare quotes because it wasn't a yard it was just like a bunch of rocks Um, he would just, he kept coming by, and I had to be like, hey, could <laughs> you just tell us when you're going to come? Yeah. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll just come on Sundays after church, because Aww. that's my, re- I take my mother church. to church. church. <laughs> um, but he was just, like, really such a creep, and, and he totally took advantage of the fact that we were not from there, because he was charging us way more than oh. a yeah, house totally, in that totally. neighborhood was worth yeah, yeah and the house was just weird so yeah so i feel like they actually do a lot to help um integrate all these different <laughs> <laughs> different kinds of people oh, you say living so. in this well they yeah. i mean for better or for worse yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's yeah. the way that it is because and now i still live in you know what people call the student ghetto so yeah. a couple miles east yeah um I like how that name is extended to like individual landmarks within like Ghetto Smiths. Yeah, ghetto Smiths. I live right around the corner from the right Ghetto right Smiths. Why well, just gotta go to Ghetto Smiths? <laughs> um, and actually, I feel like that. I mean, that neighborhood can be seedy in its own way, yeah. but I feel like it's actually safer, or it yeah, feels it's fairly safe. safer yeah. Yeah. than where I was. You might have before. a raging kegger next door or something. Oh, kind of well, there are a lot of eighteen-year-olds, which yeah. are like the most terrifying yeah. demographic to me. But uh, um, it is, but it's very mixed. Like you have there's yeah. families, there are students, there are like my neighbors oh. who live in the duplex next door are just like they just work and they're married this is a and topic. they live next door. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many stories from Albuquerque I want to tell because like, right? we all have stories like this. Yeah, yeah. One time Mara and I were on Fourth Street. We were at uh, I believe it was at the Tan Gallery at the time. Now it's the Graft Gallery. Wonderful gallery. Um, and we were at the Tan and there was an art show going on that night and this woman wandered in who was not part of the scene at all. She was not there for an art show. She was drunk to the point that she kept falling over on exhibits over and over, <laughs> oh, like knocking no. things off the walls. Okay. And so Marlon and I were like, where are you from? Do you need a ride home? Like, we can give you a ride home. And she's like, I just live down the street. And we're like, okay, we'll give you a ride. And, uh, and so we get her in my car, and we go to give her a ride. We just want her out of there. This is not a charitable effort at this point. We're like, get this woman out of here. She's ruining this whole night. <laughs> <laughs> and not everyone else had cars. I was like, I just want to get... I could see it was bothering my friends who were putting on the show. We got her in the car, and then she gives me this address, and I type it into my GPS, and it's, like, clear on the other side of town. It's over at, like, Tramway, and, like, like where Tramway turns into Roy. It's, like, f- wow. like far, like, northeast. And so we're like, okay, let's go over there. So we go over there. We get to this darkened neighborhood. The woman has no idea where to go. She can't give us an exact address. She three or four times goes up to some random house and is, like, yelling and getting the lights turned on, and people are coming out saying, go away. <laughs> like, she has no clue. So we finally, like take her to the Waffle House at Tramway and Central and I'm like look I'm gonna get you a meal 
I'm gonna like uh, like give you some money for a payphone. Once you sober up a little bit, you can call someone that you know. Like we gotta get out of here. Like we basically just ran. We were like set her up so we could just get out of there because it was like just like we found ourselves drawn into this like world that we did not want to be a part of at all. You know, and it's like that's Albuquerque. You're right. You yeah. can't separate your life from like yeah. What's the going reality on? of Albuquerque kind of permeates the all. dark I mean, secret looks, world, whatever that. I is. guess people live up on the volcanoes and you know on the far west side and so Feasting forth. Feasting on lava. Ranch or whatever, yeah. but that's not real Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I had a question. <laughs> what was the first thing that you uh, that you liked about Albuquerque? Hmm. Um, I guess. The mountains. Hmm. The mountains. Yeah. yeah. So when I first moved here, I mean, the only people I knew were my sister, yeah. and then people that I was meeting in the grad program, yeah. and it was kind of like a slow start. You know, I was making mm-hmm. friends, but like my social life kind of built up slowly, and so I would go hiking a lot by myself, which I still do, but now I have a dog. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, a little vicious, bit vicious dog. Very vicious. Very vicious. Um, oh, are you making a joke? Well, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I get jokes. Um, So, yeah, I would just drive. I would drive up Central, go hiking around the foothills. And, like, and it was still summertime. You know, the semester starts Those mountains are wonderful. Yeah. They're hard to fill in other than fun for. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that was the first thing that I was like, okay, this is is nice. I like this. Yeah. I like living somewhere where you're... 10 or 15 minutes away from nature. It's true. Where you can just most. like be in nature. We're three minutes from right now. We can yeah. be in foothills like no problem. We can walk there. Yeah. And what do you like about it now? Like other than that? Like what, uh, what, what have you learned to appreciate about Albuquerque that you didn't appreciate at first? Albuquerque the magazine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, not be ridiculous. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, I feel like there are, it's very... Um, the city does a lot to like you know to promote community and has all these events like the farmers market mm, and nice, yeah. the bio park Truth. and there's old town i mean i just feel like yeah. like albuquerque as a city is very invested in like drawing people yeah. to these places that yeah. have historical significance and so there are just all of these sort of communal meeting places where, like, I'm going to go here, and I know that I'm going to see a bunch of people. That's nice. And it has places like the Press Club. Yes. Oh, love it. Which is great. Love it. It's been too long. And now we have, like, micro breweries popping up everywhere, which is, I like it. I think I it's... feel there's a strong community sense. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's a strong sense of community. Ugh. It's my Across various I love the city. Yeah, I really do. All right. What, what did you first learn to like about Albuquerque? It's probably something stupid, man. I'm trying to think. I, I hate myself as a 13 year old when I think back. <laughs> I, I really do. That kid was a twerp. Um, I I um, I don't remember what it was. I think it was probably just that I could. Oh, I think it was like the arroyos up in the mountains that I could just like walk around in nature nice. all the time. You know, yeah. those arroyos were amazing. I remember one time finding like this knot of wood and driftwood and like old stumps and in the middle of it was this coyote and its death throes all desiccated Aww. dried out but it, you could just see it and like oh no I'm drowning <laughs> you know oh it's gosh. like it was just there it was like whoa man the raw wild emotional natural world just right there you know mm-hmm. I would just walk those arroyos everywhere with my brother and this, uh, this neighbor kid um, and, and it was just that was so like fascinating to me just to like explore the mountains and and uh and see that stuff um 
I don't know. Yeah, to this day, I like my favorite stuff about the city is what's around the city. I do love yeah, the city. Sure. I love the scene. I love the music. I love the feeling of being downtown late at night. It's just magical. I love the Northeast Heights. I'm like partial to like a number of you know seemingly sterile places in town. I think it's like and a kind of exciting place to be. I agree with Edward Abbey's praise of Albuquerque in the 1970s. It's just like, you know, I have to think of that poem, who was it, Wordsworth or something like that? Like, to be alive, about the uh, advent of the French Revolution, to be alive was bliss, but to be young was very heaven. You know, walking around downtown it, it, late at night sometimes, it just feels so good, so amazing, so wonderful. And But all even with all that, like, the best stuff about Albuquerque is what what's around it like how cool to be able to just drive out to volcanoes on the west side and a mesa covered in petroglyphs you can be standing next to like petroglyphs from a thousand years before and look down on suburban sprawl and fencing and like obnoxious modernity it's just all right there all linked together you can go to the on the east side and be like wandering among boulders and lost back in the mountains and just a little bit northeast of town and there's like ghost towns and it's just like incredible like I really love that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. to me, like, I, I just, like, I think I, uh, I have been haunted by the idea that I'm in the wrong time my whole life. I just never felt, like, okay now. And I feel like I can just, like, leave the present and, like, head into the past, like, anywhere around town. Like, like on any side. I mean, you're a historian, too. You get this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's so nice. Yeah. You know, just disappear into the... I mean, one time I got a map from 1875, and I was like, I'm going to find everything on this map. And I just went around north of the Sandias and northeast of the Sandias, just going everywhere, finding everything that was on this Tihon land grant map, map from 1875. And it was like I was in 1875. Like, I just like, could forget modern times. I could ignore the power lines and, like, the yeah. touches of modernity here and there and just be, like, in this other epic time. And it was like, how do you not love a city that lets you do that? Right. That's incredible. We're, try doing that in Manhattan. It's very hard. You gotta like go down yeah. underneath the city into like the uh, lost subway tunnels or something. I think know? there's something about being in the West that yeah. makes it. It just makes you feel like history is much closer. Because totally. yeah. Chicago is, you know, is a city that has a lot of, you know, like history yeah. is sort of alive right. there. But it's not the same. It doesn't yeah. feel. Because, you know, I lived in, the, like, the old meatpacking district, mm. the warehouse district when I lived there. And I really liked that, but it's still nothing like yeah. what it's like here. And I think part of it is that, you know, it's much less developed. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Chicago does have a nice mix of the old and new. Like, yeah, it does. Wise, yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's just something about the way that history is sort of preserved it's true. in the West. Well, it's true to a ge- on a geologic level. People love going to the Grand Canyon and seeing all those different levels, and everything is just laid bare there. You can go back a billion years or more, yeah. you know? And, and yet, like, go to Hell's Canyon in Idaho, which is still the West, but it is, like, a much lusher place, and you can't see any of it. Right. I remember, like, visiting my brother in Michigan once, and he's like, we got to go see this town. There were mines underneath it, and they all collapsed, and the whole town got sunk into a sinkhole. And we went there, and it was just, like, a bunch of grass. You couldn't see anything. It was all covered. <laughs> Grassy yeah, Valley. Yeah, that's true. Things, you know, here things are well preserved. Yeah. History is well preserved here. Yeah, it's true. Totally. Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't know. I like it. I have a love hate relationship with the city. Though sometimes I get so saddened yeah. by it sometimes, and just so fed up with it, and I just feel like there's just like huge sad events everywhere. I go to the West, and there's like tw- you know ten women buried, and or eleven women buried. You know, I, I go to the East, and there's James Boyd shot to death by the police, and and. Uh, what am I doing? Oh. <laughs> I don't understand your hand signs, Mara. Sign. International sign. You're looking for the bottle. I got it. I got it. 
I knew what you were saying. Um, the first day that I uh, that I really liked Albuquerque, yeah, I was I was a little little tipsy. Okay, I was walking down. Not sound like you, but go central. on. I'll suspend disbelief. <laughs> All right, and it was snowing. It was like right. the first snow of the season. Okay. It was just like that mixture of the the neon in Knob Hill and okay. the murals that All you right. see. And that snow just sort of like gently settling oh, down upon that everything. Sounds nice. It was beautiful. That does sound nice, man. And as far as what I like now, yeah. I feel like, do you? I feel like people are genuine here. Oh, I think that's probably true. Yeah. More so yeah. than in many places yeah. that I've lived. No, um, I think there's a percentage, but like, yeah, yeah the phony people stand out here. They're, maybe that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I feel like they they tend to be. I feel like people tend to be friendly. Yeah. At least if you talk to them in a. Yeah. But it's a nice a kind of friendliness. Yeah, you know, like it's a like, real friendliness. Yeah, it's it's not I, a big smile like, yeah. "Hey, how are you doing?" You know, yeah, kind of like the Texans. You know, they're yeah. they're big smilers and they shake your hand and everything. It's great, but right. they're not necessarily going to go out of their way to help you. Yeah, they're going to immediately uh, go vote to deny you. All I feel your like the rights. Mexicans, <laughs> New Mexico, it's a bit more like right. they might not smile so much. Right, and they might right. not be so open yeah. initially. But they will like go the extra mile it's for true. you when they need to. No, it's like I, you know, it's been pointed out by other writers, but like the juniper is such a great symbol of Western individuality. It, like we're talking about a plant here, a tree that literally puts poison out in its roots so that nothing else will grow around it and take its water, <laughs> and yet it's kind of okay with something growing like four feet away. You know, I think that's like most of is us. That, here. Is that like yeah. the allegory, or that's like a good? Um, <coughs> analogy for the people who park their cars on the sidewalk. Mm. That's like, <laughs> is it? Like, if you park your car on the sidewalk, yeah. no one can walk there. Oh, yeah. no. No, no. These junipers <laughs> don't mean any harm. But also, but also I bet if the driver of the car, you know, if you needed something, they would help you. Yeah. But they're still going to park or maybe even drive on the sidewalk. That's the other thing. So that was one of the things that I noticed when I first moved here that I didn't like hmm. that I still don't like hmm. which is the driving yeah, oh, yeah no people are it's not good. people are just like it's the wild west it's I guess good. so I do what I, I want know. you know it's not the worst in the world it's not it's the worst bad, but it's though. pretty bad given the amount of space that you have on the yeah. road people drive like <laughs> like pe- like the drifting in jerks. and out of lanes are just uh, like la 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 I think yeah. what's bad about it is it's every. It's, it's like endemic. It's yeah. Mostly yeah. But you know what I think it is? I think it's like most of the state has never been on an interstate before that day that you see them, and they're just driving <laughs> like a crazy people. Well, and, so and also like you have to be doing the craziest yeah. shit to get pulled over here. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to be doing something crazy to get pulled over by. The or just be in the wrong place at the wrong time when the cops are bad. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, yeah. I wanted to uh, read some quotes from uh, movie movie stars. Pause it for just one second. Okay, sure. So um, what I wanted to do next was uh, read a couple quotes from uh, from some newcomers. Uh, lately, Albuquerque has become something of a of a, a center of filming television. Thanks to some tax breaks, Breaking Bad films yeah. such as. Uh, no Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and like a million different Transformers movies. Yeah. What so, else? What else? Some things that. Uh, what else? You got any what else? Has been filmed here. All those Marvel movies have had yeah, something uh, Avengers and stuff. Okay, so let's uh, let's go down some some people who uh, have come from uh, like Los Angeles or whatever, and commented on on Albuquerque. 
Benicio del Toro. No, sorry. Not Benicio. Josh Brolin <laughs> from No Country for Old Men. He said, Albuquerque is a beautiful town and a place where people go to die. <laughs> Both true, I guess. We have hospices. You can see them on the freeway. <laughs> people do die here. That's yeah, yeah. true. I don't know if yeah. people come here for the express oh, intention. Maybe they're from the surrounding Maybe he's area. confusing... Um, Modern day with like the tuberculosis yeah. era. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. You know, technically, any time any of us go anywhere, it might be to die. Okay, uh, <laughs> Jessica Alba. <laughs> Jessica Alba, who filmed the movie The Eye. Yeah. What? what is, I don't even know what that. It's movie like a is. Japanese okay. J horror film. Right. Okay. In Albuquerque, there's really only one restaurant that's pretty good. You can only take Applebee's and Chili's so much. Our big day was hanging out at Walmart for five hours. It was like, yeah, Walmart. Well, you well, suck at exploring Albuquerque. She's, Albert, she's, she's not stuff. smart. Yeah. I guess she's not with. smart. I guess not, man. This point. I, I uh, actually read later that she had maybe confused Albuquerque yeah. with uh, Alamogordo. That, sound, that sounds much more like oh. Alamogordo. But still, because yeah, she could her. confuse Albuquerque with Alamogordo, I think. Uh, I had a terrifying Alamogordo experience once. It's kind of funny, and I can tell it in two sentences. I was hitchhiking through Alamogordo in a different phase of my life, and I was camping in a field by the Kmart there, and all of a sudden I woke up and I heard this train coming at me, and I opened my tent and I looked outside and the train was coming right at me, and I thought, oh no, I think I put my tent on train tracks, and I jumped out, and I was running around and I was screaming and yelling, and I looked and I was still like 10 feet away from the train tracks, which was great, and the train went rushing by, but it was, for a moment, I was like, I'm going to die from a train right now. It was well, terrible. maybe people do come to oh. You know, and that's not even the worst thing that happened that night. Earlier that night, I saw the hot chick at the, uh, it was like, it was, um... You saw a hot chick? It was the Rob, no, it was the Rob <laughs> Schneider movie at the, oh. at the, at the single screen theater. It was like the hot chick, is that like a code No, it was like where Rob Schneider wakes up and he's like an attractive woman. <laughs> It was terrible. It was like the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Don't go to Alamogordo. That's what I'm telling people. The name means big cottonwood. That's all there is to see. One okay. big cottonwood. Maybe she was talking about it. But still, the fact that she had no idea which was which, I mean, I think it tells you like a typical like uh, Los Angeles person's view of Albuquerque, which is, oh yeah, somewhere yeah. in the middle there. I don't yeah. know. It's one of those places. That's funny. Okay. Bob Odenkirk, okay, uh, star of Better Call Saul, and, and a really uh, nice great. guy from everything I've ever heard. Everyone I understand actually yeah. really likes Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in an interview for the Ninety Second Street Y, yeah. Lucky we were in Albuquerque, Odenkirk said. I've grown to love Albuquerque, but um, the audience burst out in laughter. I do love Albuquerque, Odenkirk <laughs> insists. Banks responded sarcastically. Yeah, yeah, I love Albuquerque too. That's uh, Jonathan Banks who plays Mike. Uh, Banks then asked what Odenkirk likes about it. The Bosque Trail, the bike paths. It's mellow, the sky, which you can see. You guys ought to see the sky sometime. You'd be surprised. And then Jonathan Banks said, we've got tire stores, Walmarts, and Costco's as far as you can see. And Michael McKean says, scorpions and tarantulas. Mm. What do you like? What do you think? You know what? I've seen that video before where the two of them are, are doing that panel. And I actually think that between the two of them, they get it right. I think Bob Odenkirk is right, and I think Mike is... Uh, uh, what's his name that plays Mike is right? Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Yeah. I mean, Albuquerque does have a problem with overdevelopment and sprawl. Jonathan Banks is right. And Albuquerque is beautiful, and the skies are amazing, and there's a nice feeling here, and you can really feel at home here. Uh, Odenkirk's right. I mean, they're yeah. both... Together, they kind of create that whole portrait. I think it's accurate. 
Yeah. I haven't seen any yeah. scorpions or tarantulas myself, but the yeah. black widows were something yeah. that yeah. took some getting used to. Have you seen vinegaroons? Those oh, are gosh. so creepy. They're like these like fake scorpions, and they've got kind of they've got unusual wispy tails. No, but they when you see one, it's like oh, uh, this thing's they have these the weird. Children of the Earth and yeah. four part yeah. Oh, yeah, four part jaws. That's oh. what I remember the vinegaroon. I remember. They, they look at you and they open their yes. jaws like the, yeah. the predator. I don't like those. From the movie Predator. I don't like those. Yeah. One time I woke up to a giant centipede on the ceiling above me. It had like 3,000 legs, I think. <laughs> it was so horrifying. What do you do but in this situation? But they're good centipedes. They eat the cockroaches. Oh, I don't care. Those are just looking like that. You've never had one in your boot. Yeah. That was like, oh, no. Yeah, when I was a kid, I like rolled over a rock and there yeah. was like a six-inch centipede. Oh. It was pretty big. Um, I have seen tarantulas. Plenty. Yeah, I've uh, seen them, but only in the mountains, right? In the mountains. Yeah, and more. I've in never seen a scorpion in New Mexico. I know I they exist. I've seen a lot in Utah and Arizona, but yeah, yeah. the uh, I've seen them. huh? Yeah, they're fun. Okay. Uh, yeah, the um, <sighs> interesting. Um, one time I was on talking on the phone to a friend. Hey, friend, what's up? How you doing? Good, man. Life's all right. And I saw what I thought was a toy snake on the floor, and I bent down to pick it up, and it slithered away out of the dishwasher. Uh. <laughs> My friend on the phone heard a, a few minutes of swearing before I was even able to explain <laughs> what had happened. <laughs> but that brings us to oh yeah, yeah. movies. Okay, so we were talking about the movies and newcomers here. I particularly am a fan of Tommy Lee Jones's dismissal of Albuquerque as a place that's horrible to film because there's always ravens crowing or someone dropping a tire iron, which is so specific it's hilarious. Um, I was gonna say one of yeah. the one thing that I liked as a newcomer to Albuquerque went yeah. to Fairview Cemetery. Yeah. In the early spring, and there were like a million crows there, just flying oh, and crying. Interesting. Yeah, and it, it seemed I was reading uh, Parliament of Birds by Chaucer oh. at the same time. Wow, oh, man! Thematically appropriate. I love it. That's great. I should read some Chaucer. <laughs> man, Shouldn't we all? I'm scared away by that old English stuff. Nah, it's uh, not so bad. Really? It's middle okay. English. I'm intrigued by that time. But that, oh, Middle English. Okay. Um, that's great. Well, you know, I have an article that I was that this episode could segue neatly into about some newcomers to Albuquerque, and they were filmmakers in the early 1970s. And they came here to film a movie called Track of the Moon Beast. And Track of the Moon Beast is regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. These people <laughs> absolutely failed at making a movie. But they came to Albuquerque, and they really managed to celebrate nothing about the city and to capture nothing of the time and to make a terrible film that has very little merit to recommend it. And yet, I've kind of grown fond of it, because I watched it several yeah. times to write an article about it. And, uh, you know, after a time, I started to think... You know, I'm actually enjoying hanging out in this 1970s in Albuquerque in this piece and in the surrounding area. That's where it was filmed. You know, it was filmed in Albuquerque in the surrounding area in, I believe, 1972. And getting to see the tram and the, the oh, Sandias nice. and all that stuff. Did MST3K ever do it? They absolutely did. And you can see it? you uh, can see their version of it on YouTube. And if you guys want to prepare for the next episode of Sitting on the Edge, go to YouTube and watch... Uh, track of the Moon Beast, which is on there in its entirety. You can Dude, watch the whole thing. It's public domain. Is this a crazy idea? What? Or should we release a track of commentary <laughs> on it while we watch it? Like, we get together. That's a fun idea. It. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, Maybe okay. We Maybe we'll do it. Maybe so we'll our do next it. episode might be two episodes. We might have the episode and a commentary track. Um, or they might be cooked together. I don't know. Have you seen it, Marie? No, I haven't. Do you want to see it and it? join us again? Sure. <laughs> 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 we'll make you a regular. Um, okay, cool. 
the uh, this is fun, right? We're having a good time. I'm having a good right. time. Okay, you guys all this like is fun, me. Right? This is real. I like you. <laughs> it's like it's like a really awkward first date. Like, I know. We're having fun, right? Let's do it again sometime, Mike. Yeah, this I'm is gonna good. block you on Facebook. You know, I, I know it's we're still like a hundred people listening to this thing on whatever yeah, SoundCloud, etc. Okay. Are we getting up there? I don't the, up there. I ultimately don't care. I have such a fun time That's recording thing, this. It's, it's, just, it's fun for us. It's nice, man. We're always um, looking for excuses to hang out. I feel like, oh, oh yeah. we wanted to plug some things. You wanted to oh, plug yeah. your essays? Okay. Marie, do you have anything going on? Do you have any poems coming out or anything like that? that... Not right now, okay. no. Well, well, where, where can people read your work? Yeah, That's yeah. the question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've had stuff come out in the last few months on... Um, you know, I review, oh, which nice. you were published Excellent. in also. Yeah, was in there, yeah, and then Soft Blow. Cool. And Don't know, but good name. Yeah, it is a good name. Yeah, yeah. I saw that Sherman Alexi was published really? with them one oh, time, which was company, very cool. exciting. He's so good. Yeah, and uh, Bird's Thumb, which is a mm. Chicago based. Uh, I like that name too. That yeah, awesome. yeah, Lit Journal, and then Rust and Moth. Wow, these are all good. Nice. Wow. All right, Mike, you've right. got some stuff going oh, yeah, on, yeah. too. Okay, so I'm working on this memoir where every one of the chapters can be published alone, and two of the chapters got published as standalone essays recently. One in the New Delta Review. You can go to ndrmag.org and look up a piece by Mike Smith of Albuquerque, that's my national name, um, called uh, 101 Jokes for Epileptic Children. <laughs> and it's about growing up with a seizure disorder that went away later on. Um, and I... I highly recommend it. It's you know, check it out. If you read that, you kind of understand me a little bit. It's also about free will and determinism, subjects I love. Um, and then I wrote one that just came out in Wildness, which is uh, a nature writing journal at readwildness.com. And uh, this one is called A Brightness in Everything, and it's about like the worst job I've ever had. It was like it was a job that literally like left psychic scars on me. Just like it was a copywriting job, you know, corporate office thing. But during the time, I would look out the window all the time and uh, kind of take little notes for myself about what I saw out that window, and I combined them all into this essay with like it's like ninety percent what's out the window and ten percent really depressing biographical details, uh, autobiographical details, and. Um, and that came out recently, and it's a visually formatted lyric essay. It looks really cool, and the look of it matters. And uh, I think it's uh, it's one of my favorite pieces that I've written. And I, if anyone wants to read it and hit me up on Twitter with what, what they think about it, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, yeah, so that's A Brightness in Everything at readwildness.com and 101 Jokes for Epileptic Children at ndrmag.com. So... Yeah, I was right. recently a, a special guest on Dead Things oh, with nice. uh, Genevieve Garcia de Mueller. Our and guest Will from Bolt. last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, a guest from last week. Yeah. So check that out. And um, I'm no longer employed by the Alibi, but I Ugh. will have some articles appearing in the ABQ Free Press sometime soon. Of your own volition, we should say. Of my own yeah. volition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Except that there's no such thing as free will. That is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that small Great. caveat. Thanks, Marie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they Ty to thinks me. he chose to not work at all. <laughs> They referred to me as their food guy on their latest Facebook posts. I found that weird. That is weird. Food guy. not really anymore, food are you? guy. What's that mean? Huh. Okay. Well, All right. Well, thanks for uh, podcasting in. And guys, we'll it's fun to hang out with you. I don't know who you are, weeks. but I like you. Yeah. <laughs> send us some, uh, you can email us at cityontheedgepodcast yeah. at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. We have Find a page. Us on uh, Facebook. You know, um, hang out with us in real life. Whatever. Try to find us on yeah. the street. Yeah, yeah. Peeking through our, our windows. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Our address is the mayor's address. Go down to the mayor's office. <laughs> Go down to the we mayor's office. office. We're in the mayor's and office. We love City of the Edge. <laughs> Give them money like you gave Leo Burke. <laughs>